welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks, I bring you a folktale from a different country or culture so that we can get to know that place better. I'm your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. This week, we're going to Turkey. I chose this story because it has a storyline that I haven't come across yet in all of my reading of folktales. And... It's a bit longer than the previous stories, even twice as long as the last episode's story, which was a little short. Kilaglan and the Twelve Dancing Princesses is about Kilaglan and his challenge to find out what 12 royal sisters do after everyone else has gone to sleep. And who is Kilaglan? He is a favorite character in Turkish folktales. There have even been plays written about him, and he was even the star of a daily comic strip in the Turkish newspapers. His defining characteristics are that he is bald, logical, and athletic. He is supposedly a representation of the Anatolian people, who are the ancient people of Anatolia, which is what Turkey used to be called back before the Ottoman Empire moved in. Of course, I get into all of this history in episode 18b, Let's Learn About Turkey. When we meet Kilaglan, he's feeling a little down on himself, which leads him to a potentially dangerous decision. Also in this story, he is dressed in traditional Turkish clothing, which for men includes wearing a wide piece of cloth, like a sash or a belt, around their waist. The only other thing I want to explain before we get into the story is the word Padishah. A Padishah is a Turkish sultan or king. The Padishah in our story is the father of the 12 dancing princesses and he either loves his daughters a little too much or maybe not enough. I don't know. I think there are arguments for both. Okay, we are ready for our story. Grab a cup of tea, a stuffy, or a blanket and get ready for our journey. Are you ready? Let's go. Kilogran and the Twelve Dancing Princesses Once upon a time, long ago, there was a Padishah who had twelve daughters, each more beautiful than the one before her. All the princesses slept in the same large room, in beds like peas. And every night, after the princesses had tucked themselves into their beds, their faithful old nurse would come and lock the door, so there would be neither out nor in for them. But one morning, when the old nurse unlocked the door, she found the princesses' dancing shoes beneath their beds and worn right through the soles with dancing. Saying nothing to the princesses, she quietly inspected all the windows in the room but every one was securely locked. Puzzled, but wanting to keep the mystery to herself, she replaced the worn shoes with new ones. The next morning, when she came to unlock the princess's door, she found the new dancing shoes in the same sorry state as the others. Surely the princesses could not have been dancing in their own room, else the shoes would not have been worn to tatters. Well... This was a matter for the palace guards. Here and there she went, inquiring, but none had seen the princesses leave the palace, though watch had been kept all through the night. There remained but one choice. She must tell their father, the Padishah. After meeting with his advisors about the matter, the Padishah called the messengers of the palace to him. 
My daughters, he announced, leave the palace secretly each evening. Where they go, I know not. I only know that they go, and they return after an evening of dancing. Where do they go? What business are they about? The person who can bring me the answer to this question will be given his bride, whichever of my daughters he chooses. But any person who seeks the answer and fails will lose his head for his efforts. Go now and proclaim this message throughout my kingdom. As soon as the message reached throughout the kingdom, there came scores of handsome young men to try for the hand of a princess. Each one who applied was allowed three nights to find the answer to the Padisha's question. He was placed in a small room adjoining the princess's bedroom so that he might watch and report what he saw. But night after night, the luckless young men fell asleep and failed to note what happened. Morning after morning dawned on twelve worn pairs of dancing slippers, and every three days, another handsome young man paid with his head for his failure. One day, young Kilaglan heard about the strange story of the Padish's twelve dancing daughters, and he resolved to try his fortune in the matter. My bald head has always been a burden to me, he said to himself. If I lose it, I lose it. On the other hand, if I should win the hand of a princess, who knows, I might someday cover my hairless head with a crown. So saying, he set off for the Padish's palace. He walked a little, he walked far, picking flowers all the way. One day in his travels, he met a wrinkled old woman. Good day, mother, he said. Good day, son, she answered. And where might you be going? Well, if you want to know the truth, I scarcely know myself, mother, he answered. It seems that there is a padisha with twelve dancing daughters. All are willing, I shall find out where they dance. However, if I don't find out, in three days I shall lose my head for trying. In either case, I shall benefit. Either I shall lose my bald head, which has always been a source of much trouble to me, or I shall gain the hand of a beautiful princess. What will be, will be. I can but try. Oh, my son, said the old woman, don't be so quick to throw away your young life. Listen carefully to me. When you are put into the small room next to the princesses, take care that you stay awake. Whatever potion they give to you will be a sleepy drink. Do not so much as taste it and take this magic cloak with you. Whenever you wear it, no one at all can see you. I wish you luck. The old woman patted Kilaglan on the shoulder. But when he turned to thank her, she had disappeared entirely. On he went, one foot after the other, until he came at last to the Padisha's palace. Now, the suitors had dwindled to none. For what man, however brave, would try when so many other men had failed before them? And so the Padisha was happy indeed to see Kilaglan. In due time, the young man was taken to the small room next to the princess's bedroom. As the old woman had advised, he took care not to drink the potion offered by the eldest princess. He accepted it, but when he was alone in his room, he poured it into a crack in the floor. Then, as if he had been overcome by the drug, he lay down on the bed, and within a few minutes, he busied himself with fake snoring. The Padish's twelve daughters heard Kilaglan through the wall and laughed and laughed. <laughs> this one is even more stupid than the rest, exclaimed the eldest princess.
See him there? He's asleep. What a fine watchman he is. And the girls chatted and giggled among themselves as they dressed in their ball gowns, all but the youngest princess, who felt for some reason uneasy. Oh, I do hope that nothing happens tonight, the youngest one sighed. Somehow I fear for us. Oh, come on, scolded one of her sisters. You always have been the timid one. Surely that foolish Kilaguan can do no harm. Come on now, put on your slippers. We have to go. The eldest princess tapped slowly on the carpet. Suddenly, in the middle of the floor, a trap door yawned open, with a stairway going down from it. One by one, the princesses descended the stairs, with Kilaguan right behind, wearing his magic cloak. As he came to the foot of the stairs, he started to wonder, was this cloak truly magic, or could the princesses see him? To test the matter, he stepped on the skirt of the youngest princess. Who stepped on my skirt? she cried. Someone is following us! Immediately, the other princesses looked, but there was no one in sight besides themselves. Oh, come on, said the oldest princess. Are you going to spoil our evening with your worries? As you can see, no one is behind you. You must have caught your hem on a rock. Come along now, or we'll be late. They walked and walked, with Kilaglan at the heels of the youngest princess. Through the town they went, until they came to a forest of trees, bent over with silver branches. Oh, thought Kilaglan, I must have one of these beautiful branches. I have seen nothing like them in the Padish's kingdom. And snap, he broke a branch from the nearest tree, and slipped it beneath his cloak in the folds of his wide sash. Hearing the sound, the youngest princess turned pale. Who is that? I heard a noise, she cried. Someone is following us. Again, the eldest sister answered, Come on, don't be afraid. Think only of the lovely evening we're about to have. Through a woods where trees had leaves of gold, and through another woods where trees had leaves bearing diamonds and pearls, they hurried. Kilaglan, reaching out and passing, picked a twig carrying several gemmed leaves. He quickly tucked the twig into his wide sash. Girls, did you hear that noise? called the youngest princess. But by that time, her sisters were too far ahead to be concerned by her cries. At the shore of a velvet black lake, they were awaited by twelve handsome princes, each in his own canoe. One by one, the princesses were safely seated, with Kilaglan stepping into the canoe, carrying the youngest princess. To the surprise of the young prince, no matter how hard he paddled, he could not catch up with the others. My darling, he said at last, there's something strange about this canoe tonight. Why is it going so slowly? Perhaps you are tired, my prince, answered the youngest princess. But in truth, a chill wind of doubt and fear blew within her. This was altogether too strange of an evening. Suddenly, a broad band of light made a path along the water. Lanterns by the thousands gleamed in the palace on the opposite shore of the lake, and the sound of music drifted across the waves. Paddling with renewed strength, the young prince at last reached the far shore. Then he and the youngest princess, and Kilaglan in his magic cloak, stepped out upon the beach, joining those from the other canoes. 
Together they entered the great ballroom, where they danced all evening to such engaging music that Kilaglan danced too, all by himself in a corner. At last a great feast was ready, with the food served on silver plates and the drink in golden cups. Just as the first toast had been proposed, the youngest princess was surprised to find her golden cup quite empty. Why, she said, what has happened to my drink? I haven't even touched the cup. Somebody drank from it. Oh, you silly girl, laughed her eldest sister. You were so tired from dancing that you drank it without even noticing. And they all teased her so that she said no more. At last the dancing and the feasting came to an end, and the princes returned the Padish's daughters to the other side of the lake. As for Kilaglan, as soon as the canoe carrying the youngest princess had touched the shore, he leapt out and hurried ahead of the girls to the small room where he was supposed to be sleeping. Not long afterwards, the princesses arrived, and the eldest one immediately came to the door of the small room and laid her ear against it. <laughs> There's your dangerous Kilaglan, she said mockingly to her youngest sister. Do you hear him snore? Now tell me that there is something strange about tonight. Of course, what could the youngest say? She undressed with the rest, and soon they were all sound asleep. The next day, Kilaglan said nothing at all of what he had seen, and that evening he followed the princesses again to the palace across the lake, returning just ahead of them to the small room. The third night, too, he went to the princesses, this time bringing back the youngest princess's golden cup, tucked safely in the folds of his wide sash beneath his magic cloak. As soon as Kilaglan had breakfast on the fourth morning, he and the twelve princesses were summoned to appear before the Padishah. Well now, young man, said the Padishah, what can you tell us? What have you seen? Where is it that my daughters go each night to dance at the soles of their shoes? Without a moment's hesitation, Kilaglan replied, I saw your daughter, sire, dancing with twelve young handsome princes. Gravely, the Padishah addressed his daughters. And what do you have to say about this, my dears? It's ridiculous, sputtered the eldest princess. He lay there snoring in his room all three evenings. How can he pretend to have seen anything? Hmm, mused the Padisha. Tell us more, young man. How can we be sure of what you say? Reaching inside the folds of his wide sash, Kilaglan drew forth the silver branch, the twig bearing leaves gemmed with diamonds and pearls, and the golden cup. The princesses sighed with one <sighs> breath. But what could they say? Then Kilaglan told the whole story from beginning to end, leaving out not a single detail or bit of conversation he overheard. The princesses blushed, proving that Kilaglan was telling the truth. You've brought the answer to my question, young man, said the Padishah, as Kilaglan's tale was finished. Now all that remains is for you to choose one of my daughters as your bride. Which one will you have? The youngest one, replied Kilaglan. She is not only the cleverest, but also the most beautiful of all. Thus it was that he married the Padish's youngest daughter, who in truth was half in love with him already. For forty days and forty nights they had a splendid wedding, and the two lived happily ever after. The end.
welcome back. I hope you enjoyed Kilaglan and the 12 Dancing Princesses. Were you rooting for Kilaglan to discover the princess's secret? Or did you hope that the princesses would outsmart him so they could keep their midnight parties? And who knows, maybe they do get to keep their late night dances after the Padisha figures out where they go. What do you think would happen next? I often come across folktales where daughters, usually royal ones, are given away to anyone who can complete some sort of task, and it makes me a little uneasy. So I was glad that in this story, the youngest princess was already smitten with Kilaglan when he chose her to be his bride. And that is it for this episode. If you want to learn more about Turkey, its history, culture, and more, make sure you listen to this week's informational episode. It's episode 18B, Let's Learn About Turkey. You can also follow the pod on Facebook or Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast, where I post maps, photos, and book recommendations for each country or culture that I feature. You can get a hold of me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. Please tell a friend or share this episode with someone you think might enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host and storyteller, Diane Strand. Until next time, bye!